Welcome to the second Amazing Race Canada 4 recap episode of the UR Team Number podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me, as always, is the Canadian who always does this for fun, Logan Saunders. Morning. Good morning. And we have another at least decent episode. I don't think it was as good as the first episode, but it's at least not terrible yet. It wasn't a classic Amazing Race Canada style of doing some sort of memorizing task or a dance by this point. However, it does look like there's a dance task next week. Yay! <laughs> they could only hold off for so long. Given that there was a CTV video release last night with a cliff of Joel and Ashley saying, Dad, come on, dance! What are they doing, the Vietnamese waltz? I have no idea what they're actually doing. I just saw the title of the clip when I was trying to avoid finding out if anyone had got eliminated. That didn't happen, by the way. I knew by the time I'd watched the episode that it was a non-elimination. I can't think of any famous dances that come out of Vietnam, other than the one from the Amazing Race 22 with the anime patriotism video. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think. Isn't the f- there a fan dance from Vietnam? Fan dance? I think so. But yeah, I'm disappointed. I said this to you on chat a few days ago. I'm disappointed that the roadblock is duck whispering instead of um, the traditional Vietnam rank the emperors challenge. Yeah, what happened there? Yes, Vietnam does have a fan dance, by the way. Good guess. So, previously, ten teams left the start line in Yellowknife on a race that's loosely going to go around the world. In Jasper, the first roadblock traumatised some team members who plummeted after failing to swing to success. The tough challenge led Kelly and Kate and Anthony and Brandon to quit the task. The second roadblock left the other team members running in circles. X's Jillian and Emmett won the leg, but not breakfast in bed. And thanks to their penalty, Anthony and Brandon were the first team eliminated from the race. And... Teams must now sign up for one of three buses, taking them to Calgary, and they have $150 for this leg of the race, and there are two express passes up for grabs. It's funny how right when the leg was introduced that uh, I think the town of Jasper threw a last second $5,000 at production to give them one last uh, endorsement by saying it's one of the most spectacular sites in the world. I mean, it's not as much as what Sudbury tried to throw at them, but still there was that last second. Oh yeah, remember... Jasper's amazing. To be fair to them, unlike Sudbury, Jasper is actually a very impressive place. Mm-hmm. It is well worth a visit, and in, in a quite rare occurrence for Amazing Race Canada, it's not hyperbole. It is actually pretty cool to go there. I mean, in last week's podcast, I did say that we met deer, and I have the pictures to prove it. There's loads of wildlife there, and it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's not like Sudbury, where they essentially paid $55,000 to embarrass themselves on a national stage. But they have Alex Trebek. What else can they be proud of? Alex Trebek only goes there like once every couple years. He doesn't even live there, man. (laughs) He doesn't even go there. And yeah, apparently Calgary is one of the most livable cities in the world, despite, you know, almost having a hurricane uh, towards the end of last summer. Um, And there still being snow when I went to... LA, and in fact, my friend went to Calgary uh, about three weeks ago, and there's still snow when he woke up in the morning a couple of times. And they said that Toronto was one of the most livable cities uh, last season, so I mean, one of them's got to be the most livable. But then uh, David Binley messaged me on Twitter and said it's like Melbourne first, Vienna second, and then Vancouver third. So if they ever go to Vancouver again, then Vancouver's inevitably going to be uh, hailed as the most livable city. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought, I think Vancouver has been the world's most livable city before. I know Melbourne is now, even without Bindles telling us that, but um, yeah, I thought Vancouver had that title. Maybe they're just saying just every could... major city in uh, in Canada is livable. Yeah, they're not going to be like, this place is a piece of crap, and there's no way you could live here without wanting to kill yourself after two months. I mean, they, they can't really do that on the Amazing Race Canada. They have to say something nice. Welcome to shit old Sudbury. There's a big nickel, and that's about it. And another thing that Calgary doesn't have going for it is the fact that it has freak snowstorms, as I found out in 2014. Yeah, it was snowing on a day where it was when we met up just a few hours later, where it was 30 degrees Celsius... In Vancouver. Yeah, it was a twenty it was a twenty two degree drop, I think. It was twenty five when we landed in Calgary on the Sunday and it was three degrees in a blizzard the next morning. Yeah, and there wasn't even a Dairy Queen involved in that. So you know what I have missed more than anything else about Amazing Race Canada Logan? Equalizers? Departure times is the correct answer. And also finding out how much money, but that 
I prefer the departure times because we did discuss last week how far ahead Gillian and Emmett and Stefan Kristen were because of the roadblock. The answer is a shit ton. Yes, they they kind of they real when we said last week that they prob that looked that judging by the edit that it looked like they slaughtered the other teams. This week most definitely confirmed it. I think the closest to them was oh who was oh yeah oh, Stefan and Antoine. How, they how were, dare you oh. forget the best team of the season? <laughs> Sit on the north step. Nearly three hours after Stefan Kristen, and just under four hours after Emmett and Jillian, and that was the third place team. Yeah, it was Jillian and Emmett leaving at twelve fifty six, then Stefan Kristen at one forty five, then Stefan and Antoine at four thirty two, and it goes all the way up to what nearly seven a.m. with Kelly and Kate. And I think 627, even with, like, Reed and Yvette and then uh, Anna and Tanya a couple minutes later. So those teams finished almost six hours behind Emmett and Jillian. But the even better thing, Kelly and Kate, their departure time, had they actually completed the task, would have been 256. Mm-hmm. So they wouldn't have even been close to coming second in the leg. No, they, they still, like, even without the four-hour penalty, they still would have been pretty far behind. But... This just proves that actually the four-hour penalty wasn't necessarily a terrible idea. I mean, they were within Drake's striking distance of Anna and Tanya. I mean, it was only... It was less than a half hour that separated them. Yeah, it was 29 minutes between Anna and Tanya, who were uh, seventh in the last leg, and Kelly and Kate, who were ninth. Just think if that weather cancellation just held off for another 45 minutes. That would have made all the difference. How on earth did Gillian and Emmett manage to get nearly an hour ahead of Steph and Kristen then? Fast paddling, navigation, then Steph or Kristen somewhat get confused with the second roadblock? They had a 49-minute lead. Mm-hmm. That's pretty impressive, given that both of them were in the same tram, and both of them basically completed the roadblock at the same time. Maybe between the reset between each person making an attempt must have been a lot longer than what we thought on TV. Well, I mean... When a team failed, they said they would have to wait another two to three hours to make the second attempt. So possibly, even with when Emmett succeeded, it probably would have been another 20 minutes or so before uh, Kristen uh, could do the roadblock. Yeah, it was about an hour for each gondola ride there and back in three teams doing the task. Yeah, so probably about 20 minutes or so between each reset. So, I mean, all you have to do is maybe Emmett and Jillian do a bit better with navigating and paddling, and there's your 49-minute lead right there. It's just a ridiculous lead for Amazing Race Canada to let them have on the first leg. Yeah, you really, they're, they're usually really close together, especially uh, especially last season. And, yeah, teams are separated on three buses, and no equalizers. No. The, for the first time ever, you can tell there's no Air Canada sponsorship anymore. Yeah, like last season, the first leg and the second leg both had every team grouped together at one point to get one of the early clues. But here, we haven't had a single equalizer yet. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the first time we have not seen a flight between legs. Ever. In the Amazing Race Canada. Uh, Now this is some trivia going on here. Um, No trains or anything, eh? It's always been an Air Canada flight every single leg for the first three seasons. Even when they've stayed in the same province, they've flown. Didn't they go Victoria to... They still flew. They still flew within Vancouver Island? Well, they, they went Victoria to Vancouver to Torino. Oh, yeah, that seems unnecessary. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they flew from Torino. That's taking the scenic route. <laughs> you go back to the mainland and then you fly back out to Vancouver Island. So I am pretty sure, and this is a challenge for anyone listening, correct me on this, I'm pretty sure this is the first time we've not seen a flight between Legs and Amazing Race Canada. What about the two, what about the, that back-to-back rounds in the first season towards the end, when it was down to the final four? When they were racing through Atlantic Canada? Ah, shite, I've just thought of one. Amazing Race Canada 2. The PEI New Brunswick leg. Balls. They drove across the bridge? They did. They drove across the bridge because that's where Suki and Jinder <laughs> got the penalty. Damn it. I've heard that driving across Confederation Bridge is expensive as all hell. Yeah, I seem to remember they got a lot of money for that, like, purely because of that. And that's just going one way. Like, if you realize, oh, crap, the place that we were going to is actually at the other end, back at the start of the bridge, then you have to pay to get back on there. And yeah, it's definitely not cheap to drive on it. So yeah, ignore everything I've said for the past five minutes. But still, though, those are very few cases. 
in fact, I'm going to correct it. That, correct me if I'm wrong. This is the first time that we have seen teams be separated on shuttles and not fly between places. Yes, we'll go with that record. Get it. <laughs> <laughs> so the first bus carries Gillian and Emmett, Stefan Kristen, and Stefan and Antoine. And the second bus has Joel and Ashley, Julian Lowell, and Frankie and Amy. And the final bus is Rita and Yvette, Anne and Tanya, and Kelly and Kate. And once they arrive in Calgary, they will, for the first time all season, your predictions are correct, be greeted by Calgary's mayor at City Hall, who will give them their next clue. Oh, that was, as soon as I heard Calgary's location, that was my first thought was, they're definitely going to have Mayor Nenshi handing out the first clue. And bingo, that's exactly what happened. Just because he's he's like one of the most famous mayors or one of the most famous politicians in the world. Like I've seen articles even a couple of years ago, just people saying, "Oh, who are the funniest politicians in the world today?" And Mayor Nenshi made the list. I saw in his Twitter that he wasn't even allowed to confirm that he was on it until it aired. He's the mayor. He's got less power than Amazing Race Canada. Even when he appeared on the promo pictures, which he did all week, and I just didn't recognize him. He wasn't allowed to actually confirm it was him until it happened, basically. It's his brother. It's his identical twin brother. Yeah. Mayor Menchie. Like Kurt's identical twin brother is Captain Obvious, his is Captain Menchie. Or Mayor Menchie. <laughs> oh, Kurt Repchel's going to be so happy we gave him another shout-out. Did you see his pictures from his uh, Atlantic Canada meet-and-greet with Eminem and Jillian and Hamilton? I did, but I'm assuming that his travel was probably funded by Hotels.com, given that he is their mascot. Yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of obvious. Thank you, Captain Obvious. Um, what was the saying supposed to mean when the mayor gave out the clue and said to get ready to be part of the energy? I have no idea. I've been stumped on that for the past 12 hours. It is bugging me. I spent 24 hours at most in Calgary, Logan. I have no idea. You don't know what being part of the energy is? You were part of that energy, and you didn't even know it. I was. You didn't even know it. We just decided to go to Fort Calgary instead. Mm. Well, I'll get to this, but I'm quite surprised that Fort Calgary wasn't the pit stop. Seems like the sort of place they'd pick. Mm-hmm. Overlooking the water? Quite iconic for Calgary. Overlooking the water. Nice place for them to have to search around for John at the pit stop. Yep. So the clue that Mayor Menchi, definitely not the ma- the real mayor had was a picture of Wonderland, which is a sculpture by Bo Tower. And once they found the tower, they find their next clue. You know what's interesting is that growing up in Abbotsford there initially, uh, we had a place that was like an arcade and fun fun place called... Uh, it was called Wonderland. And then the Wonderland in Toronto sued the Wonderland in Abbotsford. So they, the one in Abbotsford had to change their name to Castle Fun Park. So apparently this sculpture was uh, allowed to uh, be what it is today. Yeah, I was going to say, isn't there a Canada's Wonderland near Toronto? Yeah, and they, they, yeah, and, they, and as I've heard, they are willing to sue if you steal their name. And did you notice who was first to the clue box at Bow Tower? Stefan and Antoine? It was! Everyone keeps underestimating them. I, I rank them higher than... Most people did for this uh, for this episode. I thought they would finish what top four, top five, and here they are, number one to the tower. And there was a controversy with this tower. Did you read about it online, Michael? I did not. Okay, so and this there was actually quite a few people. Well, not quite a few, but four or five people who uh, went on the official Masonry's Canada Facebook page last night that were. Really pissed off that the Mason Race Canada didn't visit some sort of those, you know, those firefighting challenge things where firefighters do a series of uh, challenges and then uh, there's a winner at the end. Apparently that was going on at the exact same time that the leg was being filmed in Calgary. So when they arrived in Calgary and it was even taking place at Bow Tower. So they were about probably they were right there where it was happening. And people who are passionate for firefighters and that event were extremely pissed off with production that they were, you know, unpatriotic and did not have a clue box inside of the boat tower and doing some sort of dedication to the firefighters. It's not like they went to, uh, you know, a World War II memorial site in dedication to Canadians with the host of the Amazing Race Canada crying. And it's not like they've spent 28 episodes within Canada um, promoting a ton of cities from coast to coast and giving random 
Olympians and other athletes and even some guy from the RCMP specific uh, shout outs. Uh, it's not like they did a shout out to the mayor of Calgary either. You know, Masonry is Canada, just so full of ignorance. They do, they do not care about this country whatsoever. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted that you know exactly how many rounds I spent in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a dreadful count. I don't think that count's going up much higher after this season, though, because, correct me if I'm wrong, Michael, but Calgary is the final city in Canada to host a full leg of the Amazing Race Canada. You would probably know better than I would. Final major city, probably. Yes, like the final like city, not as opposed to a town. Like, if we're just going with these small towns like they did with, you know, like the South Okanagan uh, near me uh, last season, then yeah, then there's probably still hundreds of little towns that they could uh, go through. But in terms of a major city that they, uh, in, within Canada, I believe Calgary is the absolute last one. I think that I remember looking it up last season, and the only other two minor exceptions are like random suburbs within Ontario that do not have much recognition on the national stage. Yeah, I think you're probably right. In terms of having like major airports and stuff, yeah, Calgary is probably the, the last one. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking, let's see, there's Vancouver, there is Victoria, Toronto. Winnipeg's even, yeah, Winnipeg's gone around Toronto, Edmonton, Montreal, Ottawa, Quebec City, Fredericton, Halifax, St. John's, Charlottetown, <laughs> even all the major uh, territorial capitals like Whitehorse, the Callaway, and and a Callaway, yeah. Yellowknife, you know, that's been visited twice now, so they've had, like, two half-rounds combined. And that's and Edmonton. Edmonton was even got one at the, towards the end of last season. So. Oh, those bastard cabbies. Mm-hmm. So disloyal. Um, so, yeah, Calgary, I believe, is the last city within Canada to get a full leg. Yeah, because previous to this, we'd only had one task, which was at the uh, the, the very first task, the zip line at, um, of Amazing Canada 2, wasn't it? Oh, and the, they did the dancing task back in Season 1 before they went to Drumheller for the rest of the round. So, once teams get to the tower, it's a roadblock, which is who's in control. And in this roadblock, one team member must abseil all 600 feet of the Calgary Tower to receive their next clue. And, once again, it looks like Amazing Race Canada is paid attention to what Amazing Race Asia did for its four seasons, and are having the clue box for roadblocks and detours in a different location from where the task actually takes place. Yeah, I like this. This is this just shows mm -hmm. there's a little bit of thought going into it, even if they are painfully tied to staying in Canada. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be the case so much next season now that, you know, everywhere has pretty much been covered. I'd be shocked next year if there's any more than four Canadian legs. But this season, yeah. Sadly, we've said that a few times now. So I daren't say it again. But this time, I this time, this time, I really we 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 really mean it. Surely they actually have to listen to us at one point, please. We can dream, Michael. We can dream. But yeah, it's a there's a bit. It looks like they they've been watching the international versions. I think during the off season, realized, hey, you don't have to have the clue or the roadblock like two feet away from where the task is going to be can still make teams have to navigate a bit more and make the round just a bit more challenging. It's not like the American version where they've really dumbed down the race over the past few years. The reason that it is a good idea is because it stops teams knowing what the task is going to be. Mm -hmm. Usually in the US version, when someone rips a roadblock, they can just have a quick look around the corner to see what the task is so they can guess who'd be better at it. That's a good point, because they can just see other teams doing the task right beside them, but here it's there's a lot of separation. If all you have is Roadblock, who's in control of their own fate, you wouldn't necessarily know that that's going to be the second repelling task of uh, the season. Yeah, like if you had that outside the simulator place, you'd assume it would be like a remote control with the crane. So we have Antoine, Kristen, Emmett, Joel, Lowell, Frankie, Anne, Yvette, and Kate doing this Roadblock. Slightly easier to say than last week. Yeah. Stefan and Antoine, they, they didn't make it to the Calgary Tower first. They lost some ground somehow. They did. I don't know how, but they did. And Emmett asks his helper, so you do this for fun? Emmett's biggest fear, of course, from the bios was heights. My biggest fear, personally, would be hearing Emmett over-explain every twist in the Amazing Race Canada. Did you hear his Express Pass explanation? That was painful to sit through. It was like, yes, we get the concept of an Express Pass. You don't have to 
explain every single avenue of that twist. Yeah, I think Emmett and Gillian maybe because they are the most quote unquote famous people or the famous team of this cast, maybe producers are relying on them a little bit to go through the big explanations, so they're getting fed the description lines. But it's like they change they go right into the diary room tone of voice and oh my god. Just speak like a normal person on the Masonry's Canada. It's not the same show. But you have to imagine that every team probably got that brief, and everyone else's description was worse. With Frankie, she was probably like, oh yeah, there was that roadblock, but did you see Mayor Nenshi? Oh my god, he's a sharp-dressed man. And then she probably started singing Sharp-Dressed Man by uh, uh, whatever the group is that sings Sharp-Dressed Man. Or Julian Lowell, both, both obsessing over the mayor. They just probably just made puns. <laughs> they're fast becoming my uh, my secondary team in terms of communicating with on Twitter <laughs> they couldn't express verbally how the express pass works that's why it wasn't shown in the confessional and Kristen doesn't like heights but she does like trying to beat Emmett mm-hmm. and the scare, one of the scariest things probably I've ever seen happen in the Masonry's Canada the harness is jammed even after the rise of Juno and Jesse last season, because that's probably the scariest thing I've ever seen on Amazing Race Canada. Well, yeah, they like, came out of the grave and just haunted everybody for 12 episodes last season. Peter Pettigrew put some potion in there and they were just revived. <laughs> I know you commented on uh, on last week's podcast about Paul Schaller and Avila, they always um, become the butt of our jokes every every week for Amazing Race Canada. But I don't think the Juno and Jesse jokes are going to ever stop. It's a, There's got to be one team from each season. Who, I don't, although we don't do anybody from the first season, other than the keep it and, keep it and F off thing from uh, Team Body Break. Yeah, there's no constant jokes about a team from um, from season one. This no, it was so it was so long ago. It was a beta test anyway. It wasn't a proper season. No, it was, it, yeah, it was a beta test. So yeah, it, it didn't really count. They wanted to, but but it didn't. And Anne and Tanya have their first actually on camera moments when um, Anne sings "Happy Birthday" to her son. Wait, 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 wait! Back up, back up, back up, back up, back up. Anne is a mother. I didn't know that. Is she getting the season in Shanji edit? Oh, it's it's the Susan's trying Jeet edit to to like an eleven so far. I I, I fear for what James Duffy is gonna say to her at, at the at the first uh, reunion show. Have we any proof that James Duffy is involved? We should be cautiously optimistic that our our hopes are that our hopes and dreams will be satisfied for once. Because I'm pretty sure the past two seasons, at least, we've had. At least confirmation of Duthie's presence by this point. Maybe just because there was just too many all-female teams for him to handle, so um, he just didn't want to be a part of it because they didn't have any major athletics uh, connection other than Steph and Kristen. We're a sixth of the way through the season and we've not heard anything about James Duthie's existence yet. Maybe he's just on vacation. Maybe. (laughs) Or doesn't work for TSN anymore. Speaking, I don't think I've really uh, seen him on TV too much. Granted, I watch Sportsnet a lot more than TSN, but yeah, I can't recall seeing him really anywhere on television over the past few months. Maybe I just maybe I just suppressed the idea of him. Well, given that you and James had a little run-in last year, I'm quite disappointed that we've not uh, we've not heard. Damn it, Ginger! <laughs> Yes, for the for those who don't know, I made a joke about James Duffy, and then Ginger tweeted that joke to James Duffy. James Duffy did not think it was a joke, and his response may or may not have been a tad bit mean-spirited towards me. <laughs> I'm not blocked by him on Twitter, though. We still got time. <laughs> yes, there's, there's still ten more episodes to go. Um, Jinder's coming over to the UK, like tomorrow, I think it is. Oh, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be like it's like the reverse Beatles. You've gotta be at Heathrow Airport to greet him. Well, he he's um, because he's Canada's representative of Mr. World. I found out a few days ago that apparently that's taking part in Southport, which is like probably about twenty miles from me. 
oh, you you have to go, Michael. You have to go and meet him. It's a little bit creepy if I say to my family, oh, yeah, I'm just going to take a drive to Southport to go see a, a male beauty pageant, though. Well, bring a... Do you have, like, a female friend you can bring with you? None that live around here anymore. It's just a, a tad creepy if I do it. <laughs> well, then, like, wait, wait outside or something. I don't know. Be like, hey, gender. And then you introduce yourself. And then who knows what goes on from there. You're only, he's not going to come out to the UK often. I mean, this guy lived in Thailand for a year, Michael. And Duthie um, hosts the NHL on TSN at the moment, by the way. Oh. Which is probably why you've not seen him. Oh, yeah. It's uh, Isaki. I couldn't care less. Um, so Emmett completes the roadblock. And we get a very unique task on our hands. I love this task. Very creative. If Tarki's going to do tasks in Canada, they need to kick ass with this sort of task. Mm-hmm. If you if you don't care less about the location, then yeah, then the casting and the tasks they complete have to be top notch. And this was I can't recall a task like this in any season ever where. They take advantage of how many smartphones that are in existence now, and you have to borrow somebody's smartphone to figure out the location of the clue. And did you notice, did you notice, Michael, that in the Beatnik bus, the one record that is that is clearly labeled is a salt and pepper record? <laughs> no, I did not. Having said that, I was watching on quite a low-quality stream, so I probably couldn't have been able to tell that. Mike Bickerton is in effect, and he wants you to push it back. So this task is that teams have to follow the Beatnik bus on social media and find out where it will stop for 10 minutes only. Once they catch up to the bus and listen to performance of a local muso, they receive their next clue. And how closely do you reckon producers were watching this to make sure nobody, I don't know, texted their family members or rang their family members or even tweeted their family members to say, oh my god, I'm on the Amazing Race calendar. Oh, the temptation, I guess, could have been fairly high. Yeah. I mean, it's not like production could have monitored them that closely. They could be like, oh, I'm just randomly tweeting for help. And then it turns out to be a friend. I have mentioned this before, but a team in Amazing Race Philippines, one, did get eliminated and a 24-hour penalty for ringing home. So there is history with this sort of thing. It is in the TAR rule books that if you try and contact home, you get a 24-hour penalty and you basically get eliminated. And that's another Amazing Race Philippines 1 uh, reference because that was the first season to have five all-female teams. Wow. Did one of them win? Uh, yes, they did. Makes sense. And, yeah, this task was awesome. Especially with Emin and Jillian screaming after the bus, and then Jillian is like, wait a second, this bus is moving. <laughs> and, then, yeah, Emin just screaming like a crazy person. Hey, hey, hey. I'm assuming in the description they were just told to find out where it was parked. They weren't told that it was going to be moving. I would have loved it if there was like an action film type thing where somebody chases after the bus and then like, like you know, just hangs onto the back of the bus and gets dragged to the streets of downtown Calgary before making their way up to the center through like the the back door there, and then they have to beat the they have to like punch people in the face of the people that are on board the bus until they get to the front of the bus. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just looking at the Amazing Race Canada Facebook page. Twelve hours ago. Why are you going to Vietnam when this is Amazing Race Canada? Please respond. Three thumbs down. And there's just one uh, reply from someone from RFF who says, because the Amazing Race leaves the country. Stop being xenophobic. Yeah. Mic drop. I saw that I saw that uh, initial post too. I didn't see the comment though. But yeah, this this is a really creative, very Calgary task, which is all I can ask for. And there's, I mean, it gets gets in on the whole retro nostalgia of having records involved. I mean, did I did I mention there was salt and pepper? Salt and pepper. Salt and pepper. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> so yeah. Jillian and Emmett and Stefan Kristen miss the first bus stop by seconds, and then they get it on the second one. I think it pretty much stayed in the same place for everyone else, by the look of things. They all seem to get it mm-hmm. in the same place. McDougal Centre. And Lowell finds running with scissors to be difficult, which is the first of his many puns this episode. Well, yeah, what do the guys say? He plays with fire and, and uh, runs with scissors, and then Lowell's just quietly in the corner saying, well, that sounds dangerous. <laughs> 
<laughs> and once teams catch up to the bus, they have a choice to either go for the double express pass or to the detour. It's a metaphor, lol. It's a metaphor. <laughs> so yeah, and we get this deal. Deal, 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 deal. Deal? I think that's what Jillian said. Deal, guys? Well, that was the deal, name guys? of the episode. Deal? Yeah, I know, and I'm thinking, whoa, that was an actual quote. <laughs> it was, deal, guys, deal, deal. Imagine if Jillian was like a poker dealer or a blackjack dealer. So what you're saying is if Jillian was Davon? Yes, if she'd be hanging out with Davon, and Davon would probably be thinking, wow, she's the... Davon would probably have a, several confessions about how Jillian would be the most annoying co-worker ever. Deal, 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 deal. <laughs> deal or no deal? Oh, now, you, now you're... Now you're referencing a terrible Canadian. Ugh, Howie Mandel. Have we got another grudge coming here? All of Canada has a grudge against Howie Mandel. It's not like James Duffy where he wins over the sports fanatics. Howie Mandel wins over no one. Who is hated more, Howie Mandel or Nickelback? Oh my god. That's still Nickelback. (laughs) Really? More than Howie Mandel. Because Nickelback, it's a whole group that gets shunned by society. And the only people who like Nickelback are older people. With Howie Mandel, uh, I mean, he's transitioned enough into American culture that he's tricked some Americans into liking him. But Nickelback, just... they the, who, who likes them? Who likes them? No one. Except old people, but they don't count. Why is Howie Mandel hated? Because he's not funny. He's like... He, he would be like second to Sean Majumder. Who I have no idea who that is. Exactly. And somehow he gets that guy... Gets to be part of Canadian culture. He even got to be in like two episodes of 24. and Which is like the most dramatic show on the planet. And he had no comedic lines whatsoever. Which I always found hilarious. That he played the most stone-faced... Um, one-dimensional, least funny character possible on that show. So, for the Double Express Pass, teams have to head to Canada Boy Vinyl and unpack 13 crates of vinyls. For each crate they unpack, they must pack each disc into a sleeve. If they find the Double Express Pass envelope hiding in the crate, they can leave with the Express Passes. Do you notice that this is the sign that said that it's the House of Happy Thoughts? <laughs> yes, I did. Which is very fitting, because it's a search for an Express Pass, which, which is nothing but Happy Thoughts. I'm pretty sure the House of Happy Thoughts is somewhere that Amazing Race has visited in Thailand. Or maybe just somewhere that people visit in Thailand. Yeah. And Gillian and Emmett and Steph and Kristen do make a deal, deal guys, deal, deal, uh, to both go for the express passes and give the second one to each other. Which is stupid! Why is that stupid? Even though it didn't end well in the slightest, why on earth would you keep the express passes between the two teams who came first in the last leg? The two teams who kicked everyone else's ass in the last leg. Well, maybe that's what makes sense. It's just an easy way to get to the end if you just give each other the express pass and then nobody can catch up to you guys and then you just have a showdown in the finale. But why would you want to go against a team you maybe can beat when you can face against teams that you can beat? Yeah, from Steph and Kristen's perspective, they still lost to Eminem and Jillian by 50 minutes on the first round, so for them the deal didn't really make too much sense. But for Ellen and Jillian, that was like perfect. That was the perfect scenario for them. The team that's right behind them, they each use the express pass, and then they also take care of each other when the U-turns come up, and they can just wipe out the competition, and Emmett and Jillian can just beat them in the final round. Maybe for Emmett and Jillian it works, because it keeps the target away from them necessarily. Mm-hmm. Because with an Express Pass in play, uh, U-turns are always going to be targeted towards a team with an Express Pass. Yep. Unless there's a team that is a massive neon flashing light of please U-turn us, please U-turn us. So if Emmett and Jillian know that Steph and Kristen have the other Express Pass in their mind, then it takes a little bit of the heat off them. However, they don't want to be the overwhelming big target team with an Express Pass. Hmm. Because that is a very, very bad idea. Because that is just asking for anyone to determine. And then Emin and Jillian finally understand uh, this task. 
Well, like, what do they, what they think? Everybody would have to do the Express Pass task when only one is up for grabs? I didn't like that there was just a double Express Pass hiding there. I would have preferred there to be two Express Passes hiding in two different crates. Yeah, and then once you get one, then you just leave. Well, there's a risk and a reward there. Or just have a lot more crates, too. That would have been neat. Because if there's two separate Express Passes, teams can stop after one or try and get two. And something, and we we were really close to a very interesting scenario, which is... What would have happened if Stefan Kristen left that task and the double express pass was never claimed? Well, I was going to say they might have pulled what they did with the save in 26 and not reference it at all. But then why would Stefan Kristen turn up in fifth place? What would be the explanation there? They would still have to show the express pass task, which means that they then couldn't put it in again, probably. We might actually have had a season with no express pass, which would have been awesome. Yeah, that would have been really interesting just to have that set up. And it's like, it's not a guarantee that a team is going to claim the double express pass. And then sure enough, nobody does. And I know full well that I am one of the biggest grumpy bastards when it comes to the double express pass. I hate it with every fibre of my being. But I like that there was actually a task for it. Because last season, it was just turn up to this place first and you get it. This season, at least they've got to work for it. It was treated like a fast-forward, in a sense. Yeah, it, it had fast-forward vibes. It felt very much like the plate-smashing fast-forward from uh, Amazing Race 9. In yeah, just smash the plate until you find the little ribbon inside. I like that they put at least a challenge in, but I still don't like the double express pass. I would rather it still be a single express pass. Or just none at all. I can sort of live with a single express pass. Yeah. Speaking of challenges... These first two episodes have been very challenging for Rita and Yvette <laughs> and Kelly and Kate. Especially Rita and Yvette in this little bit. They thought they were at Calgary Tower, and they realized, oh, that thing that looks like a tower is Calgary Tower. Like, duh. <laughs> uh, I love that Rita and Yvette are slowly taking over the mantle of just completely not reading the clues. Mm-hmm. Or just, no, no, or just even trying to find the Beatnik bus afterwards, and then... <laughs> You've seen that one thing that's meant for emergencies. We can't find the we can't find the beatnik bus that is an emergency. Yeah, I I thought that maybe production would have stepped in and gone, girls, don't do that, please. They did. Did they know to even borrow somebody's smartphone? Because they didn't ask anybody with a smartphone. We saw the clue. It said follow it on social media to find out where it is. Yeah, I wonder if neither of them have had Twitter or something like that. Just like me. They were just completely out of the loop when it comes to that stuff. I know you've only watched one episode of Dutch Mole, but it's very Dutch Mole tunnel vision. They're reading the important bits of the clue, like find the location and nothing else. Mm-hmm. Or when they go up to that one guy and said, are you a performer? And I'm glad the guy didn't respond. Yeah, I'm a performer. Um, <laughs> it's like, whoa, that's not the type of performer we were looking for. But uh, anyways, yeah, so they go up to this, or just go up to some random musician, interrogating him if he is a performer. He says yes, but not, but it's not the performer they're looking for. This is not the performer you're looking for. Yes. So anyone who isn't attempting the express passes has the detour, which is sim or swim, which is a limited stations detour. I don't know whether you noticed that in the clue. No, I did not. Yeah, it said it at the bottom. And in sim, teams must take part in a crane simulation exercise navigating a concrete block through a course in a combined time of six minutes or less with no instruction. If they complete the course, they get their next clue. And in swim, teams must jump into a pond containing hundreds of rainbow trout. They must corral and transport all of the trout into cages to receive the next clue. Do you notice Stefan's embarrassing dance at the beatnik bus? I did not, though. Oh, it was the most embarrassing dance I think I've seen in a long time. He's just hopping around, and then even the musician was surprised by how much he was getting into it and called him Daddy-O when he gave up the clue. You know what I find funny about this uh, about this detour with the, you know, the only, there's one First Nations team in this cast, you know, just, you know, with the First Nations background of, you know, taking care of the environment, you know, not letting things get too industrialized, you know, being conscious of the planet. And then the task that the First Nations team chooses is the one involving a crane where you're destroying the living crap out of the environment, and they are the only team to, to complete this task. Yeah, we've talked about this with many details in the past. Why on earth would you pick Sim? 
it's the complete booby prize of detours. Yes. When you see a simulator, you have to go far, far away from it. This goes all the way back to season one of Amazing Race Canada. If you have the choice, do not do the simulator. The key words were with no instruction. Yeah, no coaching. Like even in the in the swim detour, at least there was people there to instruct you on what to do. Stay the living hell away from that detour. But Joel and Ashley still did it, though. They still did sim. I know. A lot of switching, though. A lot of teams thought they could do it. Kelly and Kate's parents told them to stay away from video games. Uh, I, I like that, that's the weird thing to me. Like, if you have no background in playing video games, a simulator is the last thing I would want to do. I don't know what Kelly and Kate were thinking. I mean, reading the vets was understandable because apparently they're like the freaking Ken Huang of video games in somewhere in Alberta there. So it was understandable why why they would want to attempt it. But Kelly and Kate, if you don't play video games, why in the world would you go there? Yeah, stay the hell away from a simulator unless you're convinced you can complete it. Because I'm not sure I would have picked it. I would have probably picked Swim because at least it's something you can control fairly easily. Unless they <laughs> thought that teams were going to have a bit of trouble corralling the fish. And uh, Emmett going too fast for Jillian, for example. There was also thematic with the Sim Detour because, you know, in the first round... You know, we get that eagle sound effect and, you know, a lot of the eagle comparisons. And then this round, we get a crane. Just not the type of crane that uh, anyone was expecting. And Stefan and Antoine are both impatient, apparently. Which makes for a great detour. Lots of yelling at each other. And they didn't yell at each other in French. I was expecting the subtitles to crop up. We have time. It's traditional for one of the best teams of the season to yell at each other in a foreign language. Did anyone do that in Season 1, by the way? We were having this discussion a few days ago. Brent and Holly, I don't think they... Uh, well, they lived in Montreal, didn't they? Yeah, but that's like that's Montreal, though. Like that's There's a lot of places in Montreal you could probably get away with not speaking a lick of French. I'm just trying to think if anyone yelled at each other in a foreign language in, uh, in Amazing Race Canada Season 1. Because it's now tradition for someone to do that. Yeah, I can't think of anybody. So, Emmett and Jillian. Emmett's, uh, uh, Emmett realizes that he technically lied to Stefan Kristen. Technically lied because they outright ditched them once they understood <laughs> the task. They should have at least gone to the Express Pass site, apologized to them in a Canadian fashion, and then go to the detour as opposed to saying nothing at all and then just marching their way to a first place finish for this leg. Unless they're so confident that they can, like, if they that they can win a leg, even if one or two of the other teams use an Express Pass down the road. Yeah, it, they wouldn't have got their perfect 1.0 average then, though. That's true. I wonder if that's what they're aiming for. They just want to be the most dominant team ever. They're on their way. Yes, they're, they're, they are on pace. Just 10 more to go. And thanks to their quest for the express passes, Stefan Kristen dropped to fifth place coming into the detour, and then almost immediately swapped from Sims to Swim. Yeah. I don't think uh, they really knew what they were doing choosing that detour either. I have a feeling two people with the... Uh, with the college, you know, softball scholarship, probably don't have too much time for video games. I suspect that that might have been closer to the uh, to the Express Pass site, and they just thought, sod it, which one's closer? We'll just try it. Yeah, I can see that as being, that would be a bit more logical. Because they were probably quite stressed when they got to eight boxes, and thought, we're never going to find it. Well, they said that was their last box that they were going to try. Like, they both agreed upon that. There was no more, there's going to be no ninth box. I am interested to find out what would have happened had no Express Passes gone in. Whether production would have thought, uh, we don't need it really with this cast, or whether they would have tried to tempt someone. Like throw it into the Vietnam round? Perhaps, yeah. But then they would have to create another task which they can't do, so they would pretty much have to say it's no Express Pass then. And we would have been cheering. Yay. And Lowell and Julie... Are a match made in heaven thanks to their ridiculous amount of puns. There's a lot of puns. Yeah. Hatch up a new plan, tail end of this challenge, hopefully get finished, uh, not hooked onto this task. They just went back and forth. It was like watching a tennis match with the Williams sisters. I did tweet Julian Lowell earlier saying it did take me a while to figure trout that you were both pun slinging though. <laughs> just a little one for you. I'm expecting them to fire back with another fish pun fairly soon. Yeah. But yeah, they're they're definitely on. They're already breaking uh, Alan Wu's pace, I think, for the for right now. 
And the glorious return of Alan Wu happens on Friday. Yay! What? We have Amazing Race China on Friday. Oh, yeah. I won't be watching it, but uh, I hear they're going the theme for Amazing Race China. Spoilers ahead for those of you who also speak Mandarin and intend to watch this season. They're going to every... All the cities on the route for the season are places that have hosted the Summer Olympics, I believe. And they're finishing it off in Rio. That's the finish line. Yeah, they're going to be the second franchise to not finish in their home country. Because Hammerhots does this all the time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we they're, they're going to Athens and LA and Atlanta and Rio and Tokyo and a few other places that I can't remember. So yeah. It's a very unique theme. It is. And it kind of works because Amazing Race US used to kind of stick to a Olympic theme. Like if there was an Olympics coming up, you'd always see a visit. Like season six? And season 14 as well. Oh yeah. Season 14, they deliberately uh, went all in on the Olympics themes. Oh yeah, with Beijing. Oh yeah, and Romania. But yeah, Bertram is quite well known for um, for sticking to the Olympics themes where he, where he can. But they did Rio in 27, so they can't do that again. What was with the mascot uh, at the Calgary Tower? Yeah, that was creepy as hell. Yeah, he's just standing there, doing random thumbs up, just, you know, doing some weird dancing. What was his purpose? I took a picture of the Calgary Tower, and I had never seen that before, and I was quite disturbed. He should have started doing push-ups, or, I don't know, do the do the digital underground Humpty dance. Like, that would have made things more interesting. But he's just, he's just hanging out there, just watching teams do this task. Doesn't even talk. And Gillian and Emmett are the first to leave swim. With Stefan and Antoine in second, and Frankie and Amy in third, Joel and Ashley leave Sim in fourth, and did you notice Kelly and Kate's um, personalised shirts? No, I did not. They had hashtag Team Kelly and Kate on their shirts for Sim. Oh, they did? They hashtagged it? Even better, it appears again next week by the look of things. In Vietnam, so everyone in Vietnam can tweet them on social media. Yeah. There is only one thing worse than a personalised shirt on The Amazing Race, and that is a personalised shirt with a hashtag. Uh, I remember actually logging onto Twitter last night and seeing hashtag Team Kelly and Kate just trending like crazy. Trending even more so than the Euro Cup semifinals. I'm going to guess you might be being sarcastic. <laughs> I know that that's surprising for Logan, but I think he might be being a little bit sarcastic. No, 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 never, 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 never really been sarcastic. Come on, Michael, we say everything straight up. Also, the Euro semis don't start till tonight. Well, three hours from now. Yeah. That's morning for me. And um, Kelly and Kate and Rita and Yvette uh, both switch from Sim to Swim as well. Did you appreciate Frankie and Amy's back and forth at the Swim Detour? Yeah, I, I like that they're basically just bitching at each other already and it's only two legs in. Don't get pissy. I'm not being pissy. Well, you're getting snappy. Not being snappy. You're being a little bit snappy. Just that back and forth of it thinking, wow. It's This could be a long task for them, but surprisingly, they do very well at it. And I love how shocked everyone was to see Steph and Kristen as if, as if there's some sort of barrier already established where the common folk, the bottom seven teams, will never be in contact with Emin and Jillian or Steph and Kristen for the duration of the season. Like it's a foregone conclusion that they're not capable of beating either of those two teams. Also, I think that... Given uh, how much bitching there was on the uh, Amazing Race Canada page about there being no teams from Nunavut or Saskatchewan or the Northern Territories or anything like that. Oh yeah, I saw your post. This is why. Because they cast teams based on personality and relationship, not on where they live. That is the crux of everything Amazing Race and any casting for any reality show. You need personality from the teams, otherwise you get a season like last season, which was won by a, an awful team who have no personality or life. Mic drop. True that. So, uh, Julian Lowell have their nets in the same area, which really doesn't help, and Kelly and Kate corralled their fish on the opposite side to the nets, making much more work for themselves. Oh my god, that was hilarious. They actually had to leave the tank each time to deliver the trout. They're just a train wreck. They can't do. They haven't done a single thing right yet this season. I was going to say, you know how we described them as a mess last week. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is why. There's no way they can win the season. I'll be floored if Kelly and Kate, 
they be they they need so much luck to survive each elimination. Well, just look at the first week. They quit the first roadblock right away, took the four-hour penalty, and the only reason they survived is because the only alpha male team in the cast also quit the roadblock right behind them. I know you said this last season about Dana and Matt not being able to win ever, ever, ever. Mm-hmm. I agree with you that Kelly and Kate can't win. I love how the eyel- the lashes were actually falling while being in the water. Like, what are the purpose of those lashes? They They seem to be getting in the way of properly completing tasks uh, throughout the season. They can't leave the house without their lashes, Logan. They established that in uh, preseason. <laughs> oh, and this is what was even funnier, too. I was going to point this out earlier, but I think they, were, they, they had this one hilarious quote at the very start of the leg that kind of foreshadowed further misfortune. Oh, yeah, they said they want to prove that they're strong competitors. That was their big message right when they checked out of the pit stop at the start of this episode. Mwah, 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 mwah. And right now, they are borderline Shala and Nabila territory, which is hilarious. Because they've been able to get through two episodes without being eliminated somehow. Can you imagine dumb luck making Shala and Nabila the last three legs of The Amazing Race? <sighs> yes. That would be... Uh, no, no, no. You're right. I couldn't fathom that happening. This is what we're, we're currently facing. Because Kelly and Kate are on a Shala and Nabila level. With Shala and Nabila, if they were in the, if they had to do the swim task, I think not only would they have had to jump out of the tank repeatedly to put the trout in at the other end, but I think one of them would have had to cramp up and be rescued from the tank. <laughs> <laughs> in other words, Charlie horsing. <laughs> yes, the cramp in the water tank. It's like, oh no, this is happening to me again. And then they would have to be assessed a penalty, and then they would be saved by the non-elimination this round, and start like six or seven hours after everybody else. But they'll still all be on the same flight to Vietnam. So, oh. <laughs> Anne and Tanya leaves them in fifth, with Steph and Kristen in sixth, Julian Lowell in seventh, uh, Kelly and Kate get two rejections, but then leave in eighth. And Rita and Yvette leave swimming last, and teams must now find Studio Bell, the pit stop for this leg of the race. The last team to check in here may be eliminated. And it's on actual Bell. It's the company Bell that sponsors the studio. I was going to say, do you know the link between this and the first pit stop of Amazing Race Canada 3? Oh, yeah. The answer is, of course, Bell Media, who are the ones who own CTV. Yeah. Because apparently it's required now that a building that is owned or sponsored by Bell Media has to appear as a pit stop at least one leg of the race. Mm-hmm. And it should have been Fort Calgary. It's way more impressive. So, Gillian and Emma obviously check in first, and they win a trip for two to Paris. Without breakfast in bed. Without breakfast in bed, though. But they do get a trumpet player. Lou Bega should have been there with them. And gloriously, Stefan and Antoine are second, with Frankie and Amy in third. Oh, did you hear the? Did you remember the really disturbing quote with Stefan uh, near the end of the detour? No. In the swim, his exact quote verbatim was, "I'm all wet." <laughs> so what you're saying is you want me to clip this and make it the stinger? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, yes, please do. It's Yeah, it's right when they finish the detour, right when they get their clue. I'll try and search it out for you. It's like, wow, things you don't want to hear a 51-year-old man say on national television. So, Fire and Ice are third, with Joel and Ashley in fourth, and Anne and Tanya in fifth. What? I know. Fifth? Yeah, they still exist. Fifth. Wow. And sixth was Stefan Kristen, seventh was Julian Lowell, and in a foot race to the mats, Rita and Yvette were eighth, leaving Kelly and Kate to be last, and not eliminated. No, oh, that, that ruins a foot race when they're two seconds apart, and then the team doesn't even get eliminated. However, if there's one team I would want to be saved by an unprecedented second round uh, non-elimination, it would be Kelly and Kate. Because, you know, they, they have a speed bump to do next round, and you know they're going to botch up the speed bump, too, and make it... Like, usually speed bumps are only, what, about ten minutes to complete most of the time? But Kelly and Kate, I think they can pull it off and give themselves a, a steady 30 to 40 minute disadvantage by doing the speed bump. I have faith in them that they'll find a way to screw it up. Maybe the one of the ducks will take their lashes? I don't know. To be fair to them, it did look like the speed bump is some sort of market selling task, which is wondrous. Because if there's one thing that I want Canadian racers to have to do, it's deal with people in Vietnamese. 
That could be disastrous. It's so chaotic there, too. Like, when you think... It's going to be a mess. When you see, like, all the rounds so far in Canada, all 28 of them, I mean, so many of you realize just how spread out and how, other than this rounds, like, especially last season where not as many major cities were visited, you know, those really isolated portions where there's really nobody around. And, you know, Dana and Amanda, who come from a town of 8,000 people, and then some of the other teams that come from isolated towns... With the places they're going to in Vietnam, it looks like there's going to be huge, massive culture shock for them. I have a couple of Vietnam stories that I will save for the next couple of weeks. You have some stories from Nam, Michael? You have some Nam stories? I do. Just like I picked up an infection in Thailand, I have some Nam stories. But I will say that out of all of the countries I've ever been to, Vietnam was probably the biggest culture shock for me. I actually have a friend who uh, went to university with me through the creative writing program. And for the past year or so, he's been, well, right after university, he taught school. He taught in, uh, in South Korea. Then he went to some hostel, stayed at some hostel for several months in France. And for the past year or so, he's been doing like a blogging and blogging website uh, from Vietnam. And he's been doing that for over a year now. Yeah, Vietnam is like is just completely unlike any other place I've ever been to in terms of just culture shock and busyness and the heat and everything. Communism? And the communism. Did you handle yeah. the communism? Well, 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 socialism, I should say. Sorry. Two very different words. No, it's communism in Vietnam, I think. Do you get to hear the anime pop song from Mason Race 22 when you were there? No, I was going to save this uh, for next week, but when we went to Ho Chi Minh City, we got off the the coach that was taking us from the cruise and literally opposite us there was some sort of communist party meeting in Ho Chi Minh City the week we were there so there was communist propaganda everywhere follow the Ho Chi Minh Trail it was just such a culture shock <laughs> so next time teams are going to Kai Bay in Vietnam and they face heat no English, duck whispering and uh, heat exhaustion yeah Sounds like an ambulance is going to be summoned for the moms. Yep, and sadly, our first Canadian switch back to the US race seems to be Duck Whispering. Yep, from Amazing Race 15, Zev probably still has the Duck Whisperer shirt in his closet. I'm sure he does. Didn't he sell it? No, he might have sold it. Maybe he just makes copies. I think he had it as an official line of merchandise. The Zevy Duck Whispering line. In fact, I'm pretty sure he did. I'm pretty sure he sold the Duck Whisperer shirts online. So, is there anything else to say about this episode? Yeah, I don't know. Is there? I don't think so. Yeah, I think we've covered it, covered it sufficiently. We've been talking for a little over an hour. Yeah, and there is one thing that I do have to say, which is a massive happy birthday to Ben Powell. Because by the time this comes out, it will be his birthday. Happy birthday to Ben. We can... Oh, you can have Anne. We can have Anne. We need to play Anne <laughs> singing happy birthday right now. Oh, go on then. I guess I'll clip it. Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday dear Ben. Happy birthday to you. But yeah, um, happy birthday Ben. This starts the month of birthdays on uh, on our podcast because it is Michelle's on the 21st and yours on the 23rd. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, all the cool people don't have them in July like me. Yeah. As the office would say, it is birthday month. So... I guess we will see you next week. So thank you for listening to this UR Team Number podcast. You can join us every Wednesday for more Amazing Race Canada recaps. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, RTTV Warriors, on our Twitter account, RTV Warriors, or our own Twitter pages, MJ Harmstone for me, and Log Superquacky for Logan. See you next week. Bye. Just chill till the next episode. Hashtag I'm all wet. <laughs> Hashtag Team Kelly and Kate. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag deal, 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 deal. Oh, damn it, I ran out of 120 characters. Damn it, I have OCD like Howie Mandel. I'm all wet. It doesn't matter. <laughs>